Hello, and welcome to episode two of Monstrology. Uh, that's right, we're back uh, for another episode. We survived the first one. Um, my name is Will King, and I am one of your hosts through this uh, monstrological process uh, that we've dived into. And uh, I'm joined by Madrin McCabe, as I was before, and we'll be going into the future. How are you doing, Madrin? I am excellent and super excited about this week's topic because it really speaks to my little Irish Gaelic heart. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you have a closer uh, connection to, uh, I suppose, the history of this monster uh, and and uh, the heritage of this monster. Uh, I got to say, though, that I am a little bit worried about the consequence uh, after researching this monster of talking to them and spending some time with them because uh, it could uh, mean some scary business for us uh, in the near future. Uh, fingers crossed that uh, that is not the case, but I don't know, are you a little bit nervous about that? Are you feeling okay? No, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about it because if my research is accurate, I don't think you and I are important enough for a banshee <laughs> to really, uh, really want to stick with us for very long. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Vajran said it. Uh, this week's episode is all about banshees. Okay, so banshees uh, are more singular than our monsters were last week. Um, they have a more specific origin, although there is some kind of offshoots for banshees. Uh, let's get started with the kind of classic banshee. Um, so from the research that I found, it's from Old Irish, uh, and the original pronunciation is the Ben Shay. Uh, turns into the banshee. Um, and uh, Shay is also uh, like a mound. So it's a, a lady of this mound, a woman of the fairies. Uh, and the thing that I was hinting at before uh, we got started uh, here is that they're often a sign of impending death, which <laughs> is not great if you want all of your friends and family to live. Um, well, you know, you got to go sometime. So I think there are a lot of people who would appreciate a warning. That's true. You know, Fair wrap enough. up your affairs, make sure you've got everything in order before, you know, the inevitable demise. Yeah. Um, and I guess something that's been fairly consistent for my research here on the history of the Banshee is they're not usually the, the thing that actually murders you. It's more so that they are a warning or a, a prediction of death. I mean, it's ominous and it's scary, uh, but it's it's more of a warning than uh, a cold-blooded murder as we experienced with some goblins uh, last episode. Um, yes, and I, I had read some accounts of people who had heard a banshee and so they refused to get on that boat 
or leave that house or whatever, thinking that they would be able to escape their inevitable death that the Banshee was foretelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, they they can't. You can't. You can't escape death. It's coming for you. Yeah, it seems to also be kind of like a classist thing, apparently. Like the Banshee yes. um, is specifically for kind of privileged families of ancient and noble stock. And they they warn you, but the the plebes of the world get nothing. And I think there's, I I did some other research that said that there's different banshees for different families. A lot of the O's, like the, I don't know, O Russells or the O Dales or whatever. The the O'Grady's, the O's seem to have more banshees than any other type of uh, family. Um, So if you've got an O in your last name and you're an Irish heritage, um, I mean, sorry if they show up, but you're welcome that you get some warnings in advance. Um, yes, I had read that it was a lot of families that had O or Mac beginning their families. And I was oh, yeah. like, come on, it's Ireland. That's like <laughs> 90% of families. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're right. Actually, I uh, I broke out. Again, it's a podcast. You can't see my video. Ooh. But I have an encyclopedia of the occult. <laughs> and it's and in uh, black and gold, which is nice and evil in terms of color scheme. <laughs> and I'm so excited to be able to use this for purposes other than just my general oddness but yes as will was saying that it seems like typically banshees there's an individual banshee for every family and she follows the family from generation to generation and continues to foretell their deaths until the very last one is there but if you are of kind of common stock or you're of the lower classes you don't really have a banshee so you don't have to worry about it so my there's a story in my occult um encyclopedia here that was saying that um, there's an amusing story contained in an Irish elegy to the effect that on the death of one of the Knights of Kerry, when the Banshee was heard to lament his decease at Dingle, which is a seaport town, the property of those knights, all the merchants of the place were thrown into a state of alarm, lest the mournful and ominous wailing should be a forewarning of the death of one of them. But as the poet humorously points out, there was no necessity for them to be anxious on this point. Yeah, it's- it's Because a... they were so common and boring. <laughs> um, so so obviously one of the things that's distinctive too about banshees is just some, because you brought it up, this wailing is the sound that they make, right? It's kind of a piercing, abrupt, um, it, it can be a terrible sound. Uh, and from the research that I found, it, it could have come from keening, which mm-hmm. is a way that uh, traditionally Irish people uh, mourned death and they would go to funerals and the town would have the best keener, which is the person who like wailed the best in mournful, I don't know, vocalization. And that could have been how banshees were formed too, is it's, it's, uh, there's a certain strength and honor to being the best keener. Um, well, and there it's often described as lamentations. Yeah, right. Who is the best lamenter? I I found it was really interesting that keening was a business. Like you would be a yeah. professional keener. People would 
hire you and and the more keeners you had and the best keeners you had because typically it was whoever was the best singer and of course they could sustain these really long mournful wailing notes for a really long time and so again it was um a measure of your high aristocracy and your class and your standing in society if you could get the most keeners and the best keeners to come to your uncle's funeral or whatever it was and of course so the yeah, key, it turned the, out to be like the one of the best jobs to have was to be a great keener. Well, of course, the the keener, the keener, the more work they would get. You know, they, is that where that comes from? I, I don't know. I don't what know. That means. I've never heard the phrase keener used in this context, only in the context of being enthusiastic. Uh, so maybe, um, but maybe that is true because that would be so that would be the kind of person that you would want as your professional mourner right is that's the most true. enthusiastic about it right but it's kind of got a sound like sad clown quality if you're like you're really good at being really sad at the times that i need you to be um okay so i also just want to tackle the appearance of banshees so i could find kind of three generalizations of the appearances of banshees the first one being an old woman or kind of hag with a frightening um, blood red eyes, a green dress, long white hair. Sometimes it's like a gray cloak. There's some variants of color between green, gray, and red, but kind of like an old decrepit woman. Um, sometimes I think very short and sometimes very tall. It's, there's no middle ground for it. Um, the second option was a kind of beautiful young woman um wearing a shroud i guess and it has some sort of like virginal energy calling out to people from the hills and the third one which i think is an interesting image that is more rare but i i thought was quite interesting is a headless woman carrying a bowl of blood that is naked from the waist up and it wow, seems almost kind of that at all uh it seems almost like greek to me like that image of a headless woman, a bowl of blood, like there's something about the nakedness too that kind of splits the difference of being tempting, but in a in a kind of messed up way. Like nobody, you know what I mean? Like it's it's extremely off-putting, but it's it's um kind of vulgar in its in the way that it does it. Like a um, car wreck, right? Like you don't want to watch, but yeah. you can't not. Yeah, it, it's the one that feels the most like a monster. I mean. The other ones are kind of more humanoid, but if you saw a headless thing, you'd be like, oh, this is not a human being. It's walking and it's uh, alive and it's uh, terrifying. And um, I think that that, yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head there is when you're saying about that's probably the most monstrous image of, of Banshees. Because um, what I found really interesting when I was researching them this week is that they're really not monsters in the traditional wants to eat people or kill people or hunt people down kind of way. They're really more just symbols or omens, right? They are, for the most part in folklore, they're simply like a warning bell versus the thing that actually is coming to get you mm -hmm. versus all of the ways that I know about them in pop culture. They're the monster to be defeated. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting too that some of the research that I have is that they're almost more just ghosts and they live in that plane as well too, rather than being kind of of flesh and blood that they're a spirit or ethereal. And um, one of the other things here is that uh, it could have been a ghost of 
uh, a murdered woman or a woman that died in childbirth that forms or that creates a banshee. And I thought that that origin is interesting too. I mean, it's it makes sense that you would mourn those people because of those circumstances, but if that's what sparks this spirit, um, it seems to have kind of a natural resonance there too. Yeah, absolutely. And I had read a few accounts as well where the Banshee appeared to her family as a as a beautiful young woman. Mm -hmm. And um, oftentimes there are accounts where she was actually a member of the family generations ago who had died tragically. And it was her fate to become the family's banshee. And so there's that familial tie again, that mm. this, this beautiful young woman who died tragically generations ago now becomes the, uh, not really protector because it's not like the banshee can protect the family, but becomes that, that symbol of death and you know what continues to happen and what is inevitable for the family mm -hmm. but that it was originally a family member yeah and i mean you hear about people all the time talking about that too i think that's a common occurrence outside of banshees people say oh the spirit of my grandfather or whatever i i felt them at the edge of my bed or that could be where some of this comes from too is those those feelings or those encounters with with ghosts that people have um so there is two things that are close to a banshee that are not technically banshees, but I think that they're worth noting. And I'm curious if you found these as well. Um, one is Welsh and one is Scottish Gaelic. So the Welsh one is the Cúhareth. It's not spelled like that, but I think it is pronounced like that. No, because it's Welsh and there's nothing about the Welsh alphabet that sounds the way it looks. But I looked it up as I feel like I'm going to do every episode. Uh, it's, I believe, the Cúhareth, which is Welsh. And it's similar to a banshee, um, but it's more of a disembodied moaning voice. It's a sign of death, similarly like a scary kind of old hag body. And it's supposed to come to the window of the person who is about to die uh, during the night and it calls your name. So mm -hmm. it has almost like a, I don't know, it sounds like Dickens or something where the ghost comes and it's like by your window and it's warning you that you are about to die. Or... Screw! <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, or it seems like Edgar Allan Poe or something. There's something gothic about that to me, um, even though uh, this is a Welsh tradition. And, um, the other thing that I found that's similar to um, a banshee, but not a banshee, is the Bianai, which is Scottish. And this is the fairy woman or the woman of peace. And um, people describe uh, her as the little washer of sorrow. And um, the idea of her is they, they wash the blood of the clothes of those about to die. So I, I guess for some reason they pulled the clothes from someone and they already have blood in their, their clothes and, or they can be seen, uh, sometimes the blood isn't there in the research that I found. Sometimes it's just washing the clothes of these people. Um, but I'm, I feel like when I look of uh, other um, witches, there's often like a cleaning of clothes involved in that tradition for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if that's of the time. And I know that banshees aren't witches necessarily, but there seems to be overlap in some of the, the literature, the way that it's been interpreted throughout time, especially, I guess, more, more um, in a modern sense. Well, certainly, I think 
there will will continue to find very similar elements when especially these creatures are depicted as women because like you said they're either depicted most of the time they're either young beautiful women who tragically met their end or really old hags right which is common in the way that women are depicted you know there's Mm -hmm. never any like middle ground um so yeah i mean it's probably there's probably some connection there about old hags washing your clothes and children's nightmares and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, Madrin, is there any other things that you learned about the history that you think is vital in the sharing of banshees? That's all the history information that I got, but I got a heck of a lot of pop culture, so. Well, I did not actually find any reference to this when I did some research online this week. However, I'm, I'm going to say this anyway, because I heard it from actual Irish people. Oh, that's that's I, legit. The, the oral tradition is the most valuable tradition uh, when it comes to spooky and the occult, I have decided right now. Uh, so let's hear it. <laughs> right, exactly. We wouldn't have folklore if we didn't have oral tradition of passing stories down, right? Totally. Um, Yes, so I had the privilege of traveling around Ireland uh, in almost for almost all of August in 2019. And I heard this story actually several times. So I'm going to give it stock. Um, that the, so in Ireland, of course, there are these grand, beautiful sweeping fields where they keep their livestock. And the farmers there all have this tradition of building what they call a dry stone fence and they're really not that high they're maybe only about two feet maybe three feet tall and all that is is a fence that divides up all of the different fields because of course when you're raising cattle you shouldn't let them graze in just the same place over and over and over again you need to divide up your lands Mm -hmm. um so a dry stone wall is that because they don't use any kind of mortar. They don't use anything to keep the stones together. They have all learned this technique of stacking the stones in a way that they all interlock with one another to build this fence that will stay fairly upright. But if you give it a good push or a good kick, it'll fall over. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they move their livestock from one field to another instead of taking them all the way around on the Mm. road the farmer will just kick down parts of the fence put their livestock through and then hand build this fence back up again so in building these fences without any mortar of course there are going to be small spaces between the stones and so I had several people tell me that the legend of the banshee comes from the the sound that the wind makes when it goes whipping through these small holes or small spaces between the stones in these hand-built fences. Mm. So you can just imagine you're a farmer, it's you know the 1800s or whatever, it's pitch black outside and you can hear this awful wailing, moaning, and there's absolutely no reason for it to be coming from anywhere. There aren't any neighbors from miles around. There's no way anybody's actually around. What could possibly be making this terrible sound? And so you can see where a person's imagination starts to kick in mm. and they've developed this idea of the, of this wailing woman. And that's typically why you'll hear that the banshee comes to people at night. Right. Because of course, during the day they're out, they're farming, they're doing their thing. They can't really be bothered with making up stories, but at night it's dark. There's not much to do. You hear this 
bizarre sound coming from out in the middle of your fields where there shouldn't be any people, what else could it possibly be? But mm -hmm. a scary banshee monster for well, someone's like death. <laughs> it would be pretty frequent too, because it's a lot of flat, wet land, <laughs> getting a lot of wind like thrown through it. I feel like that would come up all the time. And so you'd well, have I to think find it would some depend. sort of explanation. I think it would depend on how your fence was stacked. You know, so say you, you've done a really good, careful job and there isn't very much space between the stones. Maybe it doesn't make that horrible wailing noise, right. but maybe you rebuilt that fence or, you know, maybe your neighbor who lives five kilometers away was over in your field. Mucking about, sheep. knocking over your rocks. <laughs> well, but that was the whole point, right? It's like yeah. everybody knows how to do this stacking technique. It doesn't matter if he knocked over your rocks. Right. But say um, you didn't know he was there. And then he did a kind of poor job putting the fence back together. And now there's this. <laughs> well, I love this theory, too, because it goes back to one of the first things that I said, too, just with the definition of Banshee, which is that, that the Shea is the mound and it's something of the earth. And there's something that literally like they're fairies of the mound. And so I feel like there's a tie in there as well. Sweet. Right. Oh, actually, I meant, did you when you were doing your research in that mound, I came across several accounts where uh, like those aren't just randomly occurring mounds they're actually mm -hmm. burial mounds oh that's good no i hadn't thought about that i had always just thought that it was kind of like of the hills and but it makes complete sense that it would be um where bodies were buried or or you're saying yeah, like kind like, of like cemeteries well yeah i mean like back in the day uh, people you know uh didn't make cemeteries in the way that you and I think of now with, you know, very neat rows with individual markers for every person that was there, it would be like the entire town just got buried in this one area. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so yes, those, those earth mounds that are often found in Europe mm. were maybe, maybe they're not grave sites anymore. I think maybe the government is dealing with those in some way, but anyway, uh, those, yeah, those big mounds are actually grave sites mm. so cool. there'll be one or several graves there it makes sense that banshees would be around a place of death too i think of we'll get to this later but i would think of like video games and stuff they're always lurking around spooky areas so makes a lot of sense to me um okay so that's all the time we've got for history uh we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back we are going to be going into pop culture all the pop culture i can find that relates to banshees and now, Will, I would like to hear about some pop culture instances of appearances of banshees. Well, let me tell you, imagine this was difficult. <laughs> uh, there, there's a bunch of things with banshee in the title but they don't all contain an actual Banshee, which kind of drives me nuts. Um, the first and most guilty of this uh, that I could find in terms of movies, because I'll often try to find movies that I can research that have been like come up through pop culture and see how that's been interpreted is a movie called Cry of the Banshees, which came out in 1970 that has Vincent Price in it. But to my Aww. great disappointment, there's no Banshees in it which is strike one for this movie because it's called Cry of the Banshees. It's very frustrating. Um, it starts with this cool kind of anim uh, 
animated cartoon thing that was apparently done by Terry, Terry Gilliam, who had nothing else to do with the movie other than this like one minute animation opening. And this then is starting out so strong, Will. This is drives, you got Vincent Price, you got Terry Gilliam. This is I starting know. out so strong. But it swiftly goes off the rails, Madrin. It just turns it, Vincent Price plays this like kind of puritanical asshole. And the whole, yeah. like I, the 15, starting about like right off the bat, the whole thing is basically like these, these guys uh, uh, accusing women of being witches, assaulting them and then murdering them. It happens like four times in a row. And then I was just started like skipping ahead a little bit to be like, what is the rest of this movie? When does the Banshee occur? And it turns out never. So it's just a bunch of like old traditional men murdering witches uh, because obviously they're witches. It's like they shoot a child like very soon and no one apologizes. Oh, In my. fact, the mom who like tries to address it is like kicked out of the room and then assaulted and then murdered. Like it, it just completely unravels. And that's by like 20 minutes in. It's, it's it, the only defense that I can find is it's meant to be, it's this like cautionary tale of like, don't be an asshole. Uh, but it, it really, they don't get enough comeuppance for it. It's just the movie hasn't aged well. So let me I, be the first to say that I watched it. So none of you have to. Uh, viewers, it's not worth your time. Um, I, you know, I think there's an easier way to say don't be an asshole than, you know, embodying everything wrong with uh, patriarchal supremacy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it came out 50 years ago. Maybe I should have known better. Yeah, well, but uh, yeah. It wasn't great. Um, stick to some other Vincent Price stuff if that's your jam. Um, the only thing that seems Banshee related, apparently they threw out the script, which seems very evident in the film, uh, is that there is a mad dog that barks in the background before someone dies. And in the movie, you hear the barking dog and there's some amount of tension that the murder will come. Uh, but it's not like it's an accident. They just keep killing people. Uh, so I think that's the only hook to Banshee that I got out of that. So by movie... foreshadowing, you mean beat you over the head with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, Vincent Price is spooky, but the movie is is not Sure, great. sure, sure. There's um, a reason we've never heard of this movie. Yeah, it was apparently the last genre film he ever did, uh, period genre film, and I think I know why. Um, the other film that I watched, which is a more uh, family affair, is Scooby-Doo Abracadabra-Doo, <laughs> which is one of the only other movies I could find that has a banshee in it. And of course, uh, being a Scooby-Doo movie, it's also not a real banshee. It's like a apparition. Is, that it, they... is it a guy in a mask? It's not a guy in a mask, but there's oh. a guy behind it. Spoiler to anyone who now is like, oh, I'm not going to watch this Scooby-Doo movie. I, I only watch them because I think that the monsters are real. Um, is he trying to shut down the carnival so that he can make money off of it? No, it's in a kind of spooky castle, which is, uh, I think, unironically a magic castle, like the magic castle in LA. It's a castle where people teach magic and it's hosted by some sort of magic school. And there's, of course, uh, monsters. There's so a griffin in it. But the, the Banshee is, is uh, predominantly featured in the second half of the movie and does look spooky and does seem 
uh, like the traditional banshee that we know and are afraid of. It seems inviting and then it turns to being quite scary and it has a scary voice and it floats around like a ghost uh, because it's not real, but it is basically fulfilling uh, the trope of being a proper banshee much more than the scary dog in the movie Cry of the Banshees. Okay. So just so that I'm clear about this Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah. Magic is real. No, it's it's like not not like wizard magic. It's like card trick magic. Like it's a magic castle. Like in L.A., there's a magic castle where magicians go and do card tricks. This is a magic castle that's just people that do magic in a castle that is hosted by a magician. Kind of like the Muppets movie that came out this year. But that's not related to Banshees. That's just a fun tidbit for anyone who also watched the new Muppets movie. Owing someone money. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be the first random thing that he's done. Nope. Love Will he Arnett, sells, but he's done lots of stuff. Um, okay, there is a couple movies that actually have a banshee that is a banshee. I just didn't watch them uh, because two was my threshold, I guess, for feeling like I had to give up because there was no real banshees. Um, there's a movie called Banshee with three exclamation marks that came out oh. in 2008. That's like a very low budget uh, kind of horror slasher film. Uh, And the catch line or the tagline for it is, by the time you hear it, you're already dead. (gasps) To which I have to ask, is that actually possible? Well, I think it's supposed to, it's like, it's that omen, right? Because by the time you hear the Banshee, there's absolutely nothing you can do to stave off your imminent death. Yeah, but it's got a little bit of like tree falls in the woods. <laughs> like by the time you hear it, you're already dead. So if you're already dead, did you hear the banshee coming and did sneak up behind you and murder you? Uh, well, it's, it's you know, like like alien, right? In space, no one can hear you scream. Right, but that's still but, true because you're still alive and you're in space. But I, I heard Sigourney Weaver scream, so. That's true, that's true. Look, I shouldn't knock it. Maybe it's the perfect tagline for the film. Maybe I mean, I'm intrigued. Perfectly. Based off the trailer, uh, it could be worth a watch. It seems like that kind of classic teen slasher vibe, uh, but it looks like it does not have very much budget. And uh, the last Banshee-related movie that I could find is The Scream of the Banshee, which is a TV movie uh, in 2011 that was on Sci-Fi. Uh, and this has like almost like an alien versus predator vibe to it where they they find it in an archaeological dig and they open the box and of course the banshee is in the box and then it kind of wreaks havoc on them I would assume and murders them but these are my banshee movies there seems to be a lot better banshee representation in video games and in literature and we'll have to ask our guests about this later why they feel that they haven't been represented properly in film uh, maybe there's a, a a real market for that, you know. Maybe we can pitch them on that. Maybe uh, maybe they're the the banshee of the future, the next Brad Pitt of banshees, or Angelina Jolie, or maybe neither. I don't mean to bring the two of them into this, but uh, maybe they could be the next great celebrity banshee. All right, you got any other <laughs> movies and TV? I feel like you're gonna drop some supernatural knowledge on us, being a supernatural fan. <laughs> I absolutely am. And I'm so glad you've brought up Supernatural. There were 15 seasons of that show. That's they so... hit on every monster and mm-hmm. creeper creature and creepy crawly that you could ever possibly think of. So 
I will probably talk about Supernatural a fair amount in the coming weeks. I'll try to, I'll try to keep it under wraps. Yes, but I have to say, <laughs> Uh, the depiction of the Banshee on Supernatural is my idea of who I thought Banshees were before I started doing my research. Because, of mm. course, in my mind, the Banshee was the monster. She was the thing that was pursuing you. She was letting out this horrible screeching wailing noise to hunt you down. And that's what wore you down. And that is how she's depicted in Supernatural. So the first instance that we really hear of uh, in a, in a storyline kind of way in Supernatural um, was that in Ireland, there was this man who was basically having a nervous breakdown because he had just lost his job. And that's another thing about Banshees that was my idea of Banshees going into this was that they prey on people who are weak-minded or feeling terrible and depressed and low. Mm -hmm. And so again, that is how this happens. So it's in Ireland. This guy has lost his job and the Banshee starts targeting him and his family and kills dad. Mom is able to banish the Banshee from the house, but of course, at the cost of her own life. And uh, they had a little baby whose name is Eileen. It's a very good Irish name. <laughs> because of the Banshee's screaming, she lost her hearing. So she was she was deafened by this banshee. Is that permanently for the rest of time, or just for that episode? No, Eileen for the her entirety of her life. So that's it. So this happened in the or the story happens in the eighties when Eileen is a baby. Mm. But on Supernatural, we meet her as an adult. Oh, she and Sam. That's, see, that's a good origin story. Yeah, she and Sam actually become like a love triangle or not triangle, but they become love interests with each other. And Ida. Uh, an item, yes. Actually, she shows up in the final season. It's kind of implied that she and Sam end up together, but who knows? Oh, so you're saying it's Banshees are pivotal to the supernatural storylines. Well, I don't know about pivotal, but they did make for a very interesting depiction of the Banshee. So Eileen, when we meet, so when we find out about all this, we meet Eileen, she's an adult. She is trying to hunt down the Banshee that killed her parents 30 years prior. And the Banshee is targeting people at a nursing home. So I don't really, I can't remember how it is exactly. The Banshee makes it from Ireland all the way to, I think it's like Chicago or something that they're in. Because of course, in the supernatural world, they never leave the United States, mm -hmm. wherever it is. Um, so I don't know how the Banshee makes it from Ireland to wherever it is they are in the States. On a, she's on a feeding... boat in a spooky crate or something. Sure. She FedExed herself. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yes, she's targeting people in a retirement home. And so that is where Sam meets Eileen and they team up and they manage to defeat the Banshee. Cool. So I guess that's more kind of ominous in the sense that they have a direct effect on what's going on. Um, that, yeah, that is the Banshee depiction that, that the Banshee itself is the thing that's going to kill you, is, is hunting you down. I guess that's, that makes sense and that may be the reason that they don't appear too much in TV and film is that they don't drive the action enough. And so maybe there's like, let's just give the, the Banshee more agency to do a bad thing because it's more fun to watch rather than being like, you've been warned and then not seeing them anymore. Well, <laughs> um, and then you're, yeah, I mean, once you hear a Banshee, short you're like, visit. well, I guess that's it. I'll just go die now. Mm -hmm. Um. 
okay, I've got a bunch of other TV shows uh, uh, that I could rattle off that Banshees have appeared in, or, or not just TV shows, but uh, kind of appearances of things. So it appears in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in season three, uh, before the show kind of goes off the rails, in my opinion, in an episode called Judas Kiss, the, the Spellmans are visited by a Banshee. Uh, it appears in Gargoyles in 1990. Uh, there is an episode where the Banshee is the antagonist of that episode. Um, it also appears in X-Men. Now, you might be thinking, how does a Banshee appear in X-Men? Well, it doesn't literally, but there is an X-Men named Banshee, and uh, Banshee's ability is supersonic. So they use their voice to do different things. It can be destructive. It can shatter glass, which is also a, a known quality that a Banshee's voice can do historically. It can cause them to fly. Uh, X uh, that X-Men is pretty cool. Um, I think they appeared in a bunch of the more modern uh, movies, like First Class and- Maybe. Uh, I, I do. I do remember Banshee appearing in the animated series of X-Men mm -hmm. that was on in the 90s. Yeah, and they, they depicted the power as, you know, these rings of shockwave. Mm -hmm. It's nice in cartoon format because I think in a film context, it'd be like, that's an annoying sound. But in a cartoon, it could just be like wave sounds. <laughs> um, and that might make a lot of sense just for listening. Um, there's also a bunch of references to Banshees and other things. So I'm getting into more abstract here, but um, Banshees appear in music. So I can think of three instances. The first one is um, uh, Susie and the Banshees, which is an Irish punk rock band. They're pretty cool. I listen to some of their music. Uh, I love their song from the Batman Returns soundtrack. Oh, I, 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 I'll have to. Oh, it's called Face to Face. It's awesome you should find it well that's the first thing that i'm going to do and i hope the first thing that all of our listeners do when this episode is over uh find that song face to face by susie and the banshees um okay there's another instance of a song called banshee by an artist named anna kearney and it was the official selection of ireland for the eurovision song contest in i believe 2019 it doesn't really seem to have anything to do with Banshees, but it is called Banshee and it's sung by a little girl and it was sent to Eurovision. Uh, if people don't know what Eurovision Song Contest is, look it up. It's just hilarious uh, in and of itself. It's like huge spectacle. Um, and there's also a, a funny movie that came out that I think was a real kind of return to form for uh, silly Will Ferrell movies. Um, <laughs> Will has no idea what he's talking about, Eurovision is a huge deal and is oh, i know important. it's a huge deal it's but i'm like, saying some people might not know what it is it's like it's it's bigger than american idol for it's all huge. of europe it's yeah. huge it's fantastic and it's the most spectacle type show of its kind that i know of there are many sequins and pyrotechnics and eurovisionism and it's taken very seriously by the countries yes. that submit too right like there's it's it's like a sports team but greater it's like the olympics of uh spectacle songwriting it's like world cup but for musicians <laughs> yeah really melodramatic musicians yes um okay and the last song that i could think is also called banshee and it's by santa gold and it's just a sweet track uh just people might know it already if you don't it's also just a really good song banshee by santa gold okay the the 
Any other songs before we go to video games? <laughs> nope. Okay. There's a bunch of video games. Imagine I am relying on your Xbox no uh, box knowledge for this because I am not an Xbox owner, but I did play it a few times. In the game Halo, there is a vehicle called a Banshee that has a loud screeching noise that I think is kind of like a motorcycle. Is this true <laughs> or have I just imagined this? Nope, you are very correct. It's Sweet. a very distinctive part of the game. It's like a like a signature move, a signature sound. Mm -hmm. um, yes, the, the Banshee is very specific to the Halo world. And does it seem apt in terms of its namesake? It definitely in that it is a screaming potential harbinger of death. <laughs> nice. Okay, there's a couple other video games that it appears in. In Witcher 3, it appears as just this kind of ghoul-like thing, kind of as you would imagine the monstrous version of a banshee would be. Um, it also uh, appears in Final Fantasy as a monster that you would encounter starting, I think, Final Fantasy IX and into the more current ones. Um, I don't think it's in the early Final Fantasy games, but it does become kind of a, a uh, monster that you encounter. Um, and the last video game is there is a Pokemon that is Banshee-inspired, and there is an evolution that is apparently more Banshee-inspired, which is uh, Mischievous. And Mischievous is kind of this purple floating harbinger of death. And there's an uh, evolution called Mia Magius, which looks a little bit more like a witch and has a pointy hat. But in the research that I found, it is more specifically related to a banshee than a witch. And so that is your Pokemon of the day as well. Well, there are hundreds of them. So of course there would have to be a Pokemon inspired by banshees. Oh yeah. And I mean, I don't not think that it will be the last time that we find a Pokemon that will be influenced by the monsters on this show. So many of them come from uh, monsters and are rooted in different cultures all over the world. So uh, it might be the first, but it won't be the last. All right, that's all the pop culture <laughs> that I got for this week. Imagine anything else before we uh, take a little break and get uh, set up here with our guest. Uh, we have Brenda the Banshee with us uh, today. And uh, I think the intern is getting her set right now. Hopefully it's going well. We'll find out uh, when we get back from the break. All right, welcome back. Uh, we are very fortunate, or I guess unfortunate, depending on how it goes, but I'm gonna choose to say fortunate for now to be joined by Brenda. Brenda, how are you doing today? Hello there. I'd say you're very fortunate considering I'm not screaming at you. That's good. Yes, yes thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Um, the fact that you're not screaming is both good for all of our listeners at home who may have uh, been a little bit nervous about that uh, during the first half and also good for us because it, uh, it seems less ominous, I have to say. I was informed for legal reasons that I'm not allowed to scream and also you're not rich enough for me to scream at you. That's right. And I'm sure, you know, See, we always... I. I suspected that. And, and I'm sure the intern that we've sent over there to help you with your setup is also probably pleased that they're not getting screamed at, as uh, I think interns are generally, unfortunately, used to getting screamed at. Not by us, but just in general. So They're I'm also sure not they used to getting it. paid. So That's true. That's true. We're not well, doing that either. I know, but you know what? The, the, they do it out of the love and research of supernatural uh, journalism. Our interns just... 
uh, they, they've decided to put their lives at risk to set up all of these uh, monsters for us. So, In the pursuit of knowledge. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So the first thing that I have to ask you, simple question. Yes. Where Where are you from, Brenda? We I'm know from that Ireland. Ireland. Okay, good. Uh, I can tell from from uh, your voice and your abode in the background looks very Irish, um, but you, you just never know. Sometimes we find monsters have moved all over the world. Oh, no, that's a screensaver. I actually live in Ottawa now. Oh, oh. okay. Yes. Ottawa. I, I, yes, um, it's, a, it's a funny story. Uh, it turns out that when you hunt the name O'Toole, Oh, I see. Um, Sometimes it leads you to uh, unfortunate places. That's right. Fair enough. Well, I mean, mm. that's a real mess. Good luck with that. I'm not uh, having a good time. <laughs> no. Can you haunt other members of the O'Toole family or does it specifically have to be that guy that wants to be prime minister? Well, the thing is, is that Parliament Hill is a nice mound for me to live under. It is so a good right, mound. Right now it's a bit cushy. Mm hmm. Fair enough. I, I mean, like there's a lot nice of big, life. big, empty, spooky halls there. Indeed. I have to say, Brenda, I really do appreciate the work that you're doing in sticking with the O'Toole family. It's uh, uh it's it, it's taken a toll on me. But frankly, I think the reason that he's so rich is because he's he's fucked over everyone else. So I suppose I can't complain about my employment. That's right. Well, maybe you just need to fuck him over a little bit more. I'm not saying murder people. I don't do that. Of course, of course. I don't do that. Look, I'm I'm not going to, hey, I'm not accusing you of murder, but I'm just saying it it happens from time to time that the guests on our show have gotten to malicious malicious ends. Um, So so you don't murder, but have have you ever killed or involuntarily killed somebody? Have you ever done anything that's, led to death well that's not exactly my job but um i was pushed off of a cliff oh when i was at the ripe old age of 14 don't i sound like a 14 year old to you yes well 14 year olds do hang hang around cliffs and uh you're saying i was yes i was i was dramatically looking out crying by a cliff and my husband tried to push me off so i brought him down with me um, so I suppose I've killed someone. Whoa. See, okay. Look, I shouldn't react maybe so intensely, but you're saying that you, d- did you die with your husband? And that's the origin of how you became a banshee or you were a banshee that had a husband and accidentally killed him at the top. Oh of the no, planet. that's, that's my origin story. I see. Oh. I see. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so I hated you- him. You did drag him off a cliff, but you say you would not describe that as murder. Did he, he pushed of... me? Oh, okay. Well, then you know he deserved it. If he's you know pushing what, Brenda, you, it take him down like with you. Just, it sounds like it was just self-defense. You were just acting for your own self-preservation, and you know accidents happen. I, I, I believe you. I, I think that this is just a very tragic story. Now it is now, a tragic story. I know this is also maybe a little bit traumatic, but. Ooh. Was it a big cliff, a high cliff, or a little cliff? It was. Have you ever been to Ireland? Her. Pretty, pretty big cliff. Have you been to Ireland? I, I can't say yes. that I have been to Ireland. Madrin yes. has been. How big are the cliffs in Ireland? Um, extremely. They're okay. they're the kind of very high cliff where you 
really do lose perspective and your mind gets a little bit messed up because your brain is not supposed to fathom exactly. that amount so, of depth. So I guess my, my question based off the size of this, what seems like a very large cliff is, mm -hmm. did you have any words with him on the way down? <laughs> you know, you, you dragged him. There's got to be a little bit of time where you're falling before you've hit the ground. Did you try to confront him? Did you just kind of scream as you fell? Because, uh, you know, I, I would be pissed. I was very angry. Well, <clears throat> you see, I was there feeling very sorry for myself because mm -hmm. he was like 80 years old. Mm -hmm. It was the 1400s. And turns out that he was looking to get a bit of a younger wife. Ugh. So he wanted younger, to just kind of off the young, side of the cliff. Younger um, than you at 14? Yes. Ew. Okay, so let's let's clarify. At what year did this occur? 1435. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, based mm -hmm. off my research, th that the first uh, known origin that I found of this was uh, the, the Triumphs of Torlo in the 14th century, which is a book. And uh, yes. so that that checks out. So to answer your previous question, yes, um, I didn't scream, but he did. He screamed oh, yeah. like, like a little girl. And it was so pleasant to me that I think I came back as a banshee to honor that scream. That's right. Well, Love jokes it. on him because you get to live on. Unfortunately, you've got to, you know, do that work at uh, Parliament right now. But you get to live on and and mm -hmm. you can find uh, some other um, friends, maybe people you've interacted with. Are you able to have friends? Does, is that allowed within um, your day to day or does it? Sometimes I speak to stray cats. OK. On Parliament I Hill. do too. Really? Are you a yes. banshee? Uh, no, I just really like cats. Do you want to be one? You can push your husband off a cliff. Do I want to be a cat or a banshee? A banshee. Imagine, I mean, OK, wait, hang on. You, you shouldn't put your husband <laughs> off a cliff to be a cat or a banshee. I'm just saying it's a very effective way. I just I want to know what my options are, Will. I'm getting okay. on in years. Okay. And well, I just, you know, what's the next chapter? I, I, I have to say, I, I have no chance of becoming a banshee because I, I feel like you have to be a female to become a banshee. And Madryn, you are of Irish descent. So your odds of being a banshee are, are you know, pretty good. Mm-hmm. I I, you know, I I I'll I'll just keep my options open. It's nice to know that there are other things that I could be doing. Just know that um, sometimes you get the short end of the stick. And even though you might be a very nice, very pretty looking 14 year old, uh, you might come back as what society calls you a withered hag. Mm. Well, it's I'm a shit 40, situation. So I think society is going to be calling me a withered hag pretty soon already. Uh -uh. <laughs> I do not think so, uh, but that's for society to decide, I guess. How old, how old are you? Me, I'm 38. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But but I'm 38 in 2021 standards, so don't compare me to a 38-year-old from the 1400s. Okay, Brenda, I, I have a question. Yes. You, you, you died at age 14, but you're saying that you now have the appearance of a tag, your words, um, yes. did you just continue to age? And so you're the equivalent of six or 700 years old, or is it just a process that, oh, once you're a banshee, you get one of these core appearances and that's just what you get. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Um, 
it's just I drew the short straw. And apparently, if you hate your family, you come back looking like an old hag. Mm. And did do you have any ability to transform? Like, can you change your image? Can you turn into mist? Can you? No. Oh, I see. So well, that's that's good to know. It's um. I have it, a lot of rage. I, yeah, I would. I would too. I, I wouldn't want that now. Do you think then that this kind of virginal banshee appearance is just a myth, something that was put together throughout the ages? Or or do you know other banshees that ended up like that, that get to kind of be the, again, you know, don't mean to put it this way, but the, the pretty banshees? Oh, yes, I know some pretty banshees back in Ireland. Okay. You don't hate them. Wait, yeah, it doesn't how, sound like you're very fond of them. How do you interact with them? Do you guys have phone calls? Can we you just kind of... of stand in a field and scream at each other. Yes, but, uh, oh, that makes sense. Can you scream from far, far away, or have you been back to visit uh, in Ireland? No, I never want to see their beautiful young faces again. Do you think it would just drive you to further hatred and further screaming? Indeed. Well, fair enough. Um, so... Uh, this is kind of an immortal, an immortal issue, right? That obviously you killed your husband. And so whatever he's dead, he was dead when you were dead. But you did have to go through the experience of kind of watching all your friends and family die. And so and is, telling them about it before it happened. That's right. So yeah, that's a very good point. So did you have to visit the bedside of every one of your known relatives before they died? No, no, no. I only hunt the O'Toole family. Okay. So I just got to tell all of his relatives that they're going to die. Ah, so you were just, you left, uh, you left your own namesake be behind or did they just die out naturally? I mean, a lot of names, uh, I guess, die out throughout the ages, but, um, or did you just decide that was enough for you? I'm going to go to Canada. I'm going to go to Ottawa and start a new life. Well, I just kind of followed them and his dad was Irish. And so I just kind of had to, I took a plane over here because I can fly with my screaming, but planes are much faster. And so were, were you a- Probably uh, more comfortable too. Were mm. you a Brenda O'Toole? Yes. Ah, uh, see, it makes a lot of sense to me now. Mm -hmm. Brenda O'Toole. And so it, it well, this is, I'm not going to ask this. You're 14. You, I did not have a child, but did any of your relatives have children like your sister? Is Aaron O'Toole a known relative of you? If you follow the, the timeline uh, long enough. I tried to stay away from this. Look, I mean, look, the truth is going to come out. I'm sorry. I may be a banshee, but it's a dark spot on my I, reputation. I'm sorry, but this is my job. You know, I've got to ask the nitty gritty gritty questions get to the truth of it all so you are the uh, a relative of of Aaron O'Toole <sighs> a distant relation distant well yes it's many generations removed but connected through blood uh some very uh messy blood at the bottom of a cliff um, well, and, you can't choose your family, though, Will. I mean, and what? I could choose my husband. Let me tell you that. There, see, see, mm -hmm. fourteen-year-old girls don't seem to really have a lot of say in who they marry when they're. It's the fourteen hundreds. That's so, true. I'm, I'm with Brenda on this. I think you. you know, if you, we heard your very tragic origin story. 
and then i came back i came back as a banshee and i don't even have any cool powers oh that's a bummer Wait, you're saying you don't get to have you don't get to have any cool powers that you describe as as being cool i scream at people before they die Fair enough. I'm no better than a house cat in a nursing home. Can you, can you, can your warning ever cause someone to not die? Or is it like, no, uh, what's, what's that, that movie final destination where it's just like, they're going to die no matter what <laughs> is it? You show they're up. going to die. And let me tell you, death never gets this kind of flack. He don't, but then that's probably because he's a man. Well, there's yeah. that patriarchy again. There's some built-in sexism up, for sure. Rearing yeah. its ugly head. Yeah, the Grim Reaper, I guess, has a whole different vibe. Um, I, I gotta say, that must be kind of depressing. Have, uh, over the years, has this profession worn on you? Or do you find it rewarding? Like, do you find that there's value in what you do? Or, or do you wish that you could do something else with your life? I'd like, I I just, you know, I, I yes, I'd, I'd like to do pretty much anything else. I like trains. 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 Mm-hmm. Trains. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, could you haunt a train? Or if you were on the train, do you think people would start dying on the train? Could we put Aaron O'Toole on a train? Yeah. I'm sure I, he rides trains. And just ship very... him very far away. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we could just get him to uh, take a policy where he doesn't believe in planes or um, cars. Maybe we can give him a very specific phobia, you know, to all other vehicles. I think he supports the carbon tax. No, he doesn't. He's against the carbon tax. So good luck with that. Yeah. Well, maybe we have to go back to uh, trains that are powered by coal and then he would be all about it. Something that pollutes a lot. And then he could get excited Ah, about that. Yes. Good. You know, that would be good. Yes. And and maybe we could get him to 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 really champion that and to prove his investment in coal by riding across the country constantly in these coal powered trains. Then you could follow him and you could ride all over. I, I've heard actually there's this very cool placement that you can do. Uh, that was a retreat for writers where you can sit on a train and the train takes you all across Canada and you get to view all of these different things. Would would that appeal to you? Do you think maybe that your story needs to be told? Could could you haunt someone and and force them to, well, encourage them to write out your memoir and do this cross-Canadian tour of of literature and, and Banshee values? I would read that. I would read it for sure. I love your story already, but I think that people uh, would Perhaps love Perhaps I'll get a CBC interview. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe this is just the first step for you. Okay. Maybe it's just- Scotiabank Giller Prize. Here she comes. First, an appearance on Monstrology. <laughs> then the CBC. Then you're on the, the Daily News. Then you get your book deal. Then that book deal turns into a movie deal. Now, this is something that I was talking to Madrin about earlier. Okay. There is not very many good Banshee movies. I would argue there's there no, no, there's no good Banshee movies. <laughs> and so maybe your life story is what we need to get a, a Banshee movie off the ground. Well, let me tell you why there's no good Banshee movies, young sir. Oh, I would love to know. It's because all we do is freaking scream at people and then they die. 
But we don't do anything cool. But maybe the third act is the next chapter of your life that we've we've yet to experience. You know, you've got your your tortured backstory. We've got the middle 600 years of your life. We can cut through some of the repetitive bits with montage. And then maybe it ends with this this kind of um, nomad land style journey across Canada where you take in the great north and and discover yourself through through other things as we scare Aaron O'Toole uh, across the country. That sounds delightful, it does. We'd have to mm. change his name, I think, for obvious reasons, but um, we could just call him Schmerin O'Schmool or something, and I think <laughs> we, we'd still get the point across. We could just tie him to the top of a train. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, Let's just do that at, at any time. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if, if you do, look, I've got a logistical question too. Yes. Do you have a physical form or if like we went to shake hands, I would go right through it like a ghost. Like, can you touch things, lift things or are no. you purely spiritual? No. I fly and I scream. Mm-hmm. 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 So you it. haven't, so you haven't been able to, you know, hug or uh you know i'm not trying to uh, thank you for rubbing it in yeah it's too late now i said it but it's a fact-finding mission you know i'm bound to offend uh, as i get deeper into the specifics here um you know what since we're here i have to say your life sounds like a lonely experience were you able to find love after your husband pushed you off a cliff or has it been entirely solitary uh, for the past 600 or so years? Well, there was this one. Actually, there, 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 there were male banshees, let me tell you that. Oh, oh. so it is possible, a male but, banshee. But typical men, they didn't scream because screaming was a show of weakness. Mm, some sort of so, hysterical beliefs or something. Yes, exactly. And so it was only, it, it was a very unemotional relationship. He just wouldn't open up and scream. It was detached. So there was no yes. screaming and no touching. So the, no. it was it was just um, an intellectual attachment. Do you find that you you could stimulate each other's intellectual beliefs? And that was Stop enough for it, you? I can only take too much sexy. <laughs> Yeah. Is there a lot of sexy talk, like the equivalent of those those phone lines? You're you're talking sexy to each other because it I guess it only escalates up until that. Right. I feel like uh, if that were the case, Supernatural would have covered it. Uh, I think so. From what I've seen, all of the women on that show need to be very sexy in some capacity. If there was a way to make someone sexy on Supernatural, they found it. Is is Riverdale still on? I feel like they could use a uh, Banshee phone line. uh, Riverdale sounds like a place I'd like to live. Maybe you could. Oh, maybe a river or a dale under the dale under the river in the mud. So Riverdale, just so you know, uh, Brenda, is is a television show based off Archie Comics, but maybe you could get a role as a day player. Maybe they need a Banshee and, uh, you know, the CGI is not good. So it would be a real step up to have the real thing. As Mm. long as, I guess the only other question is, it's not like a vampire thing, right? Like you can appear on on camera. Have you ever appeared in a photograph or does it just uh, appear as nothing? I don't know, only in paintings. In paintings. 
Mm. Are you are you depicted in any famous paintings, perhaps? Perhaps maybe we've seen you and didn't realize it. There's one at the Louvre. Oh, see, I've only ever been outside the Louvre. Wait, well, that's wait. your first problem. I Hang know. on. Well, it's a big place. At the Louvre, right? Yes. What is it? What does it look like? Is it the Louvre? Uh, no, not the Louvre. The, the painting. <laughs> There's some pretty famous paintings at the Louvre. Are you saying that you've inspired a, a famous no. painting or is it like a little known painting? I'm curled up in the basement. Oh, I see. So this Someday is they'll unfurl me. And then the world will know Brenda the Banshee. Does, does, are you attached to the paintings of you? Is it some sort of spiritual attachment or is it just, uh, you'd like to see yourself, you know, you'd no. like to see your likeness. Mm. Is there anyone else in the painting with you, like one of your former lovers, your, your husband, for example, or, or this is uh, you uh, haunting somebody? What are you doing in the painting? Or, or is it a portrait? I'm screaming. Yeah. This seems to be a running theme for you. I, we really I, you know, should. I, was, I wanted to ask, was, we, we've hit so much on your your upbringing, your life before being a Banshee, and of course your very extensive career being a banshee, but I'm I'm interested to know more about who is Brenda. Do you have hobbies? Is there anything you like to do outside of screaming? Well, there's wailing. <clears throat> okay. And caning. Mm -hmm. Right. And crying. And I like poker. Poker. Okay. Watching it. Watching it now. Mm -hmm. Can you occupy the body of a human being? No. Can you scream at someone to do things for you? No. Remember when I said I had no cool powers? Okay. Have you I ever have just... you ever haunted an O'Toole at a poker night? Oh yes. Okay. Oh. Now we're talking. Okay. That was so... one of the only nice experiences I've had with an O'Toole, let me tell you that. Yeah, I can imagine. So uh, what did it, did it help? Did it, did they, did they blow it? Did they go all in just to, to finish the experience? Let's just say there's a reason that he's in the power position that he's in. Oh, I'm sorry if your podcast gets sued for slander. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it'll, it'll be, it'll put us in the news. If Aaron O'Toole listens to this podcast, uh, I will personally go find him. <laughs> and explain the circumstance from which this uh, this came to light. Um, well, I, I, I'm really thrilled uh, that we were, were able to learn a little bit more about you, Brenda. I, I feel like I learned a lot about uh, Banshees in, in general through your experience. And I think that I maybe had a misguided understanding uh, other than the screaming, which seems to happen a lot and the prediction of death, which also seems to happen a lot. I, I, and, 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 you know, just for the record, I, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, you, you got shoved off a cliff by your husband. That must have been tough when you were 14. And I can understand why you'd like to scream and wail and, and cry about it. It wasn't the nicest day of my life. Are you well, I have that, to say- Are, for, are you saying someone... that it also wasn't the worst day of your life? No comment. Okay, well, I guess we don't have time to get into that, but it's just going to be rattling around in my brain as to what's worse than getting pushed off a cliff at age 14 by the person you think loves you and falling and dying and turning into uh, 
supernatural being that I guess that's just for me to muddle over. Um, Brenda, do you have anything that you would like to pitch to the viewers at home? Maybe anything uh, that, that, that brings you solace in your darkest of nights or uh, anything that interests you? Well, I've been thinking about it. That's good. And there's a comedian on Twitter um, mm -hmm. who you can follow uh, at, at Claire Blackwood. If, Claire you, Blackwood? if you want to uh, uh, read a lot of jokes about politics and cats. Oh, I, I can see cats. I can see the overlap here. You know, it brings you a little bit of joy, I guess, to get the humor out of your difficult situation with the O'Toole's. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she writes nasty things about him and it brings me joy. Oh, I, it, it brings us all joy. I've seen some of those tweets. It makes mm -hmm. us all feel good. Uh, Madrid, is there anything you'd like to uh, pitch to the listeners at home? Well, I've got this cool new podcast called Monstrology. Yeah. That's exactly what I would like to pitch at the end of today's episode. Um, Monstrology is back here right now. You're listening to it. This was the second episode. Uh, if you like what you've been listening to, it makes a huge difference for us. If you rate the episode, preferably you rate it five stars, or if you, you know, think it could be better, I guess, four stars. And if you think anything else, don't rate it at all. Just cry and wail in silence. Shoot for the moon, Will. It's very any, fun. I don't want any of those ratings. Uh, keep it to yourself. Uh, if you want to leave a review, we can all get new and noteworthy from all of this good vibes. Uh, tell a friend. Uh, we've been very uh, excited about this. I can't wait to keep filling up the archives. Brenda, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, that's it for us this week on Monstrology. We'll see you in two weeks with another monster. And... Uh, whole new dose of history and pop culture that is sure to make you feel spooky. Bye! <laughs>